You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to Life's Mountain West to our football podcast edition. That's right. Yeah, we took a little, a few weeks off. That's fine. We needed a, a break because. Matt Kennelly there. Not much to talk about unless you want to dive into the combine, which we will. I will do one brief um, re-record because we did two minutes ago. Unless you're watching American football, AAF, which some people are. But uh, we're here to talk combine because we're going to talk football, right? Because that's what we're Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, finally, there's a, you know one of the first major off-season signposts. That's true. That That is. We've passed signing day. Second signing day. It is March mm-hmm. now. So March Madness. Hey, we um, have some March Madness up on the site because, well... Did you see anything about the Nevada-Utah State game post-game, I'm assuming, Matt? Because you're on Twitter. Right I now. I was following everything on Twitter, as I usually do. There's some shenanigans uh, going on. I don't know. There's a lot of that, yeah. There's some glass breaking, cops calling, Stort Corman, court storming, I should say. <laughs> maybe, maybe there was some Stort Corman. You <laughs> there never could know. have been something. I apologize. Uh, but worth it. But for football purposes, the Combine's going on right now. It's been going on for a couple days. Um, we're recording here Sunday. March 3rd, there's a couple, um, I think there's a few more days left. So what we're going to talk about is like who's going to go where, sort of, what's been going on. And we'll just kind of, like I said, we had to start over after a minute in because that's what we do. Oh, yeah, the website's mwwire.com. If you're listening to us, you probably know that, right? That makes sense. Hopefully, hopefully. If not, check it out, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you are if you stumbled across us because you found the Nevada video and then you said, hey, oh, they have a podcast. Oh, they have a football podcast. I will check it out. So thank you if you're a new listener. Um Shoot us on Twitter, MWCY. But the combine is a big sticking point. So there is some spring football going on. We won't really get into that yet. Maybe we'll do a spring thing next week once there's over a week's worth of practices. Because I believe only Colorado State has had uh, enough uh, substantial practices at the moment. But let's get to the combine. We were doing our tight end discussion before I realized, hey, we're not recording. So blame me if this take two is okay and not gold like the first one. Because, Matt, you said some amazing things. I don't know if we can recreate here. <laughs> I will do my best, I promise. All right, so tight end. Dax Raymond, Josh Oliver, and as we begin our discussion with, Khalil Waring of San Diego State. Insert your not passing joke because I already did that once, so make up your own. <laughs> and let's go back to Warren because you kind of let off with him about kind of who he is and who the heck is he? Because like I said, joking aside or not joking, he was a good receiver. That's not a joke. The joke is give him more passes and maybe he would have been a higher pick, potential higher pick upcoming. Yeah, he's kind of like one of those – maybe sleepers that that uh, draft Knicks like to talk about but when you look on what he's been able to do in the combine in indianapolis he's really he's really stood out in a lot of ways you know he had a broad jump that and a vertical jump that were both above the 85th percentile and his some of his comparisons if you go to mock draftable like i do like it's there's some really interesting names that are thrown onto the list when you com- when you try to compare them to Warring, like the number one name, uh, which I think is one of the number one names that a lot of people have been talking about in general, is actually one of the other tight ends in this year's draft class, which is TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. You know, he and Warring are 88% comps, which I think is very interesting. And his number two comp is Dallas Clark, who, if you recall from the Peyton Manning Colts, 
you know, he was a really reliable weapon for more than a few years. Yeah. So it's really interesting to me to see him kind of emerge when you're, you know, when he's been in one kind of offense, but he's showing the kind of physical tools that make you think that he can do just fine in another. Well, that's true. And like, I, like we said, like I mean, if you got the ball more, maybe he'd be considered a higher pick, but the, all these tight ends are great. And looking like what he has a perfect size, like Dallas Clark, that's a great example. I think he was probably all pro a couple times, at least pro bowl for sure. Pretty sure. Yeah. If you compared to that guy, imagine what he could do if he comes in and just tight ends, like in the NFL, He's not like a Jimmy Graham or those type of receiver type tight ends. He's mm-hmm. 6'5", 250, so he's not a basically a wide receiver that's 6'8", or something. You know what I mean? Like 6'8", 210. He's a guy who will be great in the NFL, I think, potentially because if he goes to a team where they want to run the ball, he could actually block. He's not going to be pulled out for somebody else. So, yeah, it's okay. He's only in the block a handful of plays, but you're on the field. You're playing more. That's another benefit that – other tight ends may not bring to the table all the time. They're just a mm-hmm. pass catching guy. If you're that size, you could be a guy where you could, it's a play action play. It, it's a basically, let me rephrase what I'm saying here. He's not a guy. It's not like a tell on your team. It's like, go, oh, this guy's in. He's not going to block. They're going to pass. He's running the route. He mm-hmm. can, he could play where our defenses actually have to recognize where he should be. If he's actually just an extra lineman to, to block, pass block or actually going to go out and run a route. If they sub him in for somebody else, Oh, they know they're going to run because he's their blocking tight end. Oh, he's their pa- cat pass catching tight end. So mm-hmm. that could be a role where it's like the NFL. If you can play multiple positions, like Richard Penny and other guys who return kicks and play another position, you better chance to make a roster. Even if he ends up being a, say a fifth round pick, I'm not sure where he's going now, but like a, not a f- for sure number one or number two on the depth chart for the NFL. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you're speaking of comps, you know, one of the, one of the things that really jumps out to me is that among the three guys in this year's combine class, to me, it's Josh Oliver who has the most interesting names. Like his, some of his uh, performances don't necessarily jump off the charts in the same way that Warren did. You know, because he, oddly enough, I, I find it I find it hilarious that you know when you when you measure six four and five eighths inches that that's only the fifty fourth percentile. <laughs> like this, this really is hard that, to imagine, right? So in that chart, is that for the draft class or NFL comparison overall? Like- well, mock draftable, what it does is it compares data for each of the different exercises that is that are measured. Um, from combine to combine, and I think it goes back to like 2003, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Okay, so it's the guys who are going to be who are at the combine, yes, the past decade plus. Yeah. Okay. But among those guys, you know, among the top four, I think he has two very interesting names. One of them is Austin Hooper, who, if you've paid attention to the NFL at all, he's been kind of an up and comer for a year or two now with the Atlanta Falcons. But right next to him, oh yeah. Rob Gronkowski. Future Hall of Famer, Rob Gronkowski. Future Hall of Famer. So when you, you know, maybe if you're an NFL team and you see Josh Oliver grabbing one-handed catches, you know, out running passes 15, 20 yards down the field, maybe that's the kind of athleticism that you dream upon. But I think that regardless of whichever of these tight ends you favor, I think they're all going to fit pretty nicely into what's turning out to be a very deep tight end class. Yeah, because it's... Yeah, this is because tight ends usually it's not a position where gotta have a tight end, and Oliver's sort of in the same. Like he's he's more of a pass catcher guy. He's in the same size range of um, San Diego State's pass catcher. But you look at like what he did. You want to know an interesting number? 
his 40 time is 463. Mm-hmm. That's faster than Alexander Madison, a running back. Huh. So that's probably bad for Madison, but good for him, right? I think it depends on how you split it. Like, I'm assuming that once we get a little further into draft season, we're going to talk a little more about speed score. Mm-hmm. Um, which gen- the general principle that follows, if you're not familiar with it, is that you know a four four time run by somebody who's bigger is generally more interesting, if not more valuable, than a four mm-hmm. four run by somebody who's a little bit lighter. It's yeah, the different. Yeah, it's, it's the difference between like Danelle Pumphrey running that kind of elite speed and. Richard Penny because there was like what 40 50 pounds between the two something like that yeah it's like something if like that if you're big you can run that fast holy crap get out of the way but I think that you know if since we're talking about Madison real quick the thing that I think that a lot of people need to keep in mind especially if you're thinking about your own NFL teams is that you know even if speed was not necessarily Madison's game you know we saw him hurdle guys more than once last oh yeah year. he's athletic dude Clearly. And so when you're when you're looking at that broad jump and that vertical jump, you know, that is where he really stood out in this year's combine. You know, he was above average in both of those things. And we saw him take a lot of physical punishment down the stretch last year for the Broncos. So even if an NFL team isn't necessarily going to ask him to carry the ball 20 times, I think they've seen enough from him on tape. In at the combine to suggest that he would probably fit right in as more of a kind of a bowling ball kind of guy. Oh, yeah. You know, someone who could take you know, 10 or 12 carries and really work teams between the tackles. Yeah, he likes like playing Fresno multiple times, like the, the fourth quarter, second half. He's a guy, 20 plus carries. Not like, I mean, I get that, but he's a guy if like, all right, we need you for a late drive and he's maybe the backup and gets those reps. He's a guy to be <laughs> fresh. He could just knock you over. Yeah. And so, but let's go back to one last tight end. We don't need to skip over possibly the highest draftable tight end, Utah State's mm-hmm. Dax Raymond, who is getting more pub now, partly because he, <clears throat> what did he miss? Three games this year, I think it was? A couple games? Yeah, he yeah a little bit of time. He missed a few games until his, I know they don't, don't only look at stats and numbers, but there's two things. That could be maybe a slight concern. Oh, he got hurt. But his numbers, like, oh, who, like, we know who he is. We know he can play well. But if there's, you're at, like I said, you're the NFL guy, you're listening to this, and your team is, um, whoever and then call it uh, be like uh, Boise State or U- not Utah State but it's because they're on their team but UNLV or something but you like the Raiders come to town and you go oh, I'm a Raiders fan now or whatever it's like oh mm-hmm. could he f- find out maybe he could fit with your team because you know hey Gruden has three first round picks oh yeah <laughs> but he might be the highest draft drafted guy because I, I ever check out um, I ever re- read um, what is it uh, the draft network do you ever check peruse that website uh, yes, every it's a pretty new site, but these guys have been around for a while. They say he could be like a top hundred pick, which would be a day two pick, I believe, right? Uh, let's see, just yeah. about, just about, maybe whatever the with competition picks yeah. everything. Yeah, I was gonna say conceptatory, but I can never say it. But competition picks is better. I can never say, you know, what I'm trying to say right. Compensatory, compensatory. There you go. That's a, there you go. English, perfect. I know it, but he could be the highest one taken, and. He was in Utah State offense that passed a lot. They moved the ball down the field quite a bit. So he got, even though he missed a few games, a plenty of opportunities. And I don't know who will be the top one ta- top one taken, but it's not just him. There's so many guys, like, in other draft classes, he might be one of the higher draft-eligible uh, tight ends. So I was looking at, I think, who is a Dane Bugler at The Athletic. He used to do stuff with CBS and some mm-hmm. other draft scout, I believe it was. He isn't, like, I think the, a top 10 tight end for sure, but, like, number six or seven. But if you're like the sixth or seventh tight end and it's still a top hundred pick, maybe how many tight ends are going? That's uh, just is this the year of the tight end? 
I don't it know. could be. I mean, I think because you're seeing more and more on the NFL level how having a, a very, you know, physically gifted tight end can make a difference. You know, you look yeah. at guys like O.J. Howard, for instance, mm-hmm. or as I mentioned earlier, someone like Hooper, who even if they're not the number one guy in that offense, can be that kind of third or fourth option over the middle, getting chunk yardage when they need it. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that with what we've seen from each of those three guys over the last couple of years, Oliver and Raymond and Waring, that I would not be surprised if one or all of those guys finds their way at least into a niche role starting next year. Yeah, for sure. He's, I guess NFL, NFL, not a guess, but NFL.com has him as tight end 13, but mm-hmm. that's fine. There's a lot of tight ends. He, he left a year early, but part of it is he's a, I don't know why they list him as redshirt senior. That's not true, but mm-hmm. he could add another year, but he, Went to Russia for a couple of years after high school, and all honorable mention conference. Uh, I guess uh, part of it too, if you look at it, his uh, family, NFL and brother, college or not, like pretty good athletes. Mm-hmm. We know what we can do. I guess the only thing, I guess the biggest thing, he's gonna be twenty four years old next year. Yeah, and people think he needs to put more bulk on, which obviously he will. Even though he's sitting at six five two fifty five, what do they want to tight end to be? Six five two seventy. That seems like. Almost the offensive, well, not offensive line, but you know what I mean? It seems a bit too big. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what the deal is with that, but we've seen he can play. If you can make the plays, you impress at Pro Day, you press at Combine, he'll get taken. I, I think the top 100 pick is ambitious, what people are saying, but I think all three of these guys will get taken. I think you're right. So do we want to discuss any other players? Anything else that stood out, or we can do a Combine more in depth later? So what I think is interesting is, you know, even though Brett Rippon mm-hmm. isn't necessarily considered among kind of the, uh, you know, in the conversation as a first round pick, right? Correct. Um, although, I, can we just say for a minute that I think it's really interesting that Dwayne Haskins ran a 40 about as fast as I could? <laughs> what? No, uh, actually, that's, that's, that's an exaggeration. He's definitely, he's definitely faster than I am. So what you're telling me is Steve Smith is wrong saying he's a running quarterback. <laughs> I think he might be, yeah. But what did he exactly but, run? I didn't. I didn't see the number. What exactly did he run? Let me actually. I got it right here. A well, Haskins was like five point zero six or something like that. Five oh four. But yeah. <laughs> but not to say that that's going to really make a dent in his no. desirability. I don't think. No. But I was just curious because I what I wanted to do was I I I was interested to see what the comparisons stacked up with, especially for those who have done all of the things and it's been uploaded to mock draftable and everything. Mm -hmm. Did you happen to see Brett Rippon's number one comp? No, I haven't. I haven't looked at draft draft mock draftable until today or from last year when we talked about this stuff. What is his number one comp? So it's only, so it's only a comparison of like 82%, but the number one comparison is Baker Mayfield. I'll take it. Right. I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily say that Brett Rippon has Brett Baker Mayfield's arm, but I would not say that it's not a huge gap between the two. However, also on the list, Colt McCoy and Jimmy Clausen. Yeah. Which may not be the best NFL comparison. But also Will Greer. We'll see about him, but he's a current guy who should be probably taking... It's a very, it's a very interesting list of comps now that I really look CJ at Beathard, it. CJ Beathard, who you, you're familiar with him, right? Duh, let's not talk about <laughs> CJ Beathard. But I think, that, I think that, you know, if even if Rippon isn't a carbon copy of Mayfield, I think that, you know, again, this whole combine exercise is just one part of the scouting process, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you combine that with 
the kinds of throws that he's shown to be able to make on the field. I think that, you know, his standing as maybe a, a third round pick is what I've been seeing in most of the rock, mock drafts recently. I really don't see anything in this combine performance that would really dissuade me of that if I'm a team looking for, you know, if not necessarily a quarterback of the future, maybe a quarterback that they can groom for the next year or two. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be a guy who's coming in and play right away because unless you're a first-rounder, which he's not going to be, we've seen every – I believe, yeah, last year every first-round quarterback played at some point. Lamar Jackson was the last one to get in late in the year, and part mm-hmm. of that was with Joe Flacco getting hurt yeah. late in season, but now Flacco's gone, so he's going to be the guy. So he's not going to start right away. It's uh, going to be something where – you're right, where – I. A team that really could to take him would be a team that has a quarterback that's near the nearing the end of their career a little bit. It's like what um, the Saints tried to do with Grayson um, Garrett Grayson from CSU with Drew Brees is there, third mm-hmm. round pick didn't quite get there, but Brees is still playing at an extremely high level. But a <clears> place <throat> like if you look around like easy comparison like a Pittsburgh, New England who need a quarterback within a couple years, something like that where maybe even Carolina, but Cam should be there for a while. Something like that, where a player, you have a couple years, like you may take a, I don't know when he'll go, third, fourth round, something seems likely. Even later, he could be a guy who could sit, sit back for a year or two and just kind of figure things out. That would probably that would be most ideal where you go to a place where even like Atlanta, where you have um, Matt Ryan there, he's not going to play forever. Some of those like, places would it, be, where, would it be crazy to throw a Kirk Cousins comp out there for him? Uh, no, because they... No, I don't think that's crazy. I think that that can make sense, right? What, I mean, if I think if he ends up having a Kirk Cousins kind of career, a lot of people wouldn't complain about that. Yeah, I think people – the only argument against that is, I guess, if you look at NFL-wise, is that he just puts up numbers because the teams had to stay in game. Defenses were bad in Washington mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But who cares? If you put up numbers and you can throw the ball, you, he's a – he's a yeah, that's a legit starting quarterback. Cousins is in Minnesota, got a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But, no, why, why not? If you can do that, because we've seen his games this year – he doesn't make a ton of mistakes either, and we kind of joke the good and bad burp, and it's you, know, you, you can't really do that in the NFL, but a lot of teams and players have multiple picks in games. But he's a guy who is pretty accurate, I would say. He's he's played a, more than probably played starting quarterback at the FBS level, one of, I, one of the top three to four most experienced players as well in this league. It's coming into mm-hmm. the NFL as well, so that it's got to take into consideration because you see when the Bears took Trubisky, <coughs> he had, what, a dozen starts for North Carolina? Yeah, and so I think he'll be fine in the NFL. I'm wondering, um, do you? Let me ask you this: Do you think he could be one of the more successful guys in a long time in NFL and from the Mountain West as a quarterback? Like, is that potential there? Yeah, I think so. Because you got Derek Carr, and that's about it, right? Who's consistently playing well at quarterback? Uh, well, I mean, unless you want to reach Josh way Al- further or- back and say, uh, you know, Alex Smith. Before sure. he got hurt last year. Oh, that leg injury. Like, even if, even if he were to be, let's say this, I know Alex Smith is number one, number one, which was probably not the best choice, but there's a lot of different reasons why he didn't pan out as great for being, I guess, compared to being that selection. If he had a similar career to Alex Smith, that would be one of the best quarterbacks ever in the conference and be a pretty good NFL career. <laughs> That's Alex, true. Alex Smith didn't do bad for himself, being even though, like, I know number one, but Kansas City, he did well. Like to go to him, like you're familiar. How many offensive coordinators did he have in San Francisco? It's like every other year, and that's a a big deal when players don't play well. Mm-hmm. But that'd be fine. I think. Yeah, I think he'll be one of the better. Also, you notice it's. I kind of chuckle, but Ryan Finley being projected higher than him. 
North Carolina State, former Boise quarterback who transferred after didn't get the job when Ripon took over? Well, you know, Brian, Brian Finley did pretty well for himself at North Carolina State. No, I'm just saying it's kind of, oh, there could be two former Boise quarterbacks taking an NFL draft this year. I mean, I think that's a, if nothing else, that's Ooh. a point of recruiting is to be like, hey, we developed, we had a hand in developing multiple NFL draft quarterbacks. Yeah. In the same year. So there's that. Uh, any other uh, running back, wide receiver thing we mentioned? or can we just, no, I, don't, I don't think so. We can transition to our topic because it, it'll we'll bring back these guys as well. Uh, oh, really quick, just 30 minutes ago, I see a Jeffrey Allison uh, video from the Combine. Good for him. Very Saying, cool. Looking fast and lean out there. Go dogs. There you go. Um, but we're gonna t- what we're talking about, our main topic, is holy crap, we're missing what players this year? Who's not coming back? We have to replace who? <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we're going to discuss for today. And we have Jeffrey Allison there mentioned, Brett Rippin, we talked about Alexander Madison, Dax Raymond. So how do we want to do this? We've sort of discussed how we want to kind of work this out. We're, I think we're, we should go with who's like the biggest player they're going to miss and maybe who will replace them if we know it's this moment. Yeah, that sounds good. So what do you, what team should we start with? Uh, hmm. Do you want to go in alphabetical order? I guess so. So that means you have to go Air Force Falcons, who are bringing basically everybody back this year. Well, not everybody. Well, a lot of people. But, I mean, I think that relative to a lot of other teams that we'll probably debate this about, to me, the answer this time around is pretty clear. Uh, because while throwing the football isn't necessarily the most important part of the offense – you know, having reliable pass catchers is something that the Falcons absolutely need. So to me, Marcus Bennett, um, as the number one guy last year with 39 targets, 24 catches, 465 yards, three scores, all of that put together, you know, that kind of efficiency on something that's more of a 50-50 proposition more often than not, while they do have a lot of pieces coming back elsewhere on the offense to me finding someone who can be that next deep threat guy is something maybe the most important question that the falcons have to resolve this offseason it's a pretty good one um as for who replaced we probably have no clue right because it's him and not many other people after him catch passes well yeah and if you look at the uh the the, the list of guys who caught passes last year you know bennett's gone ronald cleveland's gone andrew smith is gone all those that's what 50 catches right there between those three guys. Almost all their passes. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you look at uh, you know Bill Connolly's team stat sheet, the only guy who's listed as a receiver who's coming back is Brandon Lewis, and he only caught five passes. So is it going to be him maybe? I mean, I would assume that he's going to be in the mix, but without any kind of depth chart that I've seen so far, it's really hard to say. But that'll be kind of one of those big, I don't know if you want to call it a mystery, but that is how Air Force seems to do a lot of things these days. Just finding guys to step up and fill that void is probably going to be the number one question for that offense. I think it has to be maybe number one overall because they bring back their quarterbacks, whoever's going to play, but hopefully it's Donald Hammond. They bring back what their top four rushers, I believe, from last year. Mm-hmm. And here's why we may not know who's going to be the next guy. The year before, Bennett had... Well, maybe we did know a little bit. Bennett had 19 catches for and still three TDs and averaged almost 21 yards a catch. So maybe we knew he was going to be that same guy. He didn't take a huge leap like what Jalen Robinette did this last year where he had a lot more passes, a lot more touchdowns because he was an elite NFL receiver. I don't know if there's anyone else coming back. Like they bring back their key defenders. 
I think this is the most simple, one of the most simple ones. And Marcus Bennett has to be the guy they need to replace the most. Yeah, because I mean, it's not like to, it's not to say that they're not losing other contributors. Mm-hmm. I, I I did consider maybe Brody Bagnall because he was kind of a a key part of their run stopping ability mm-hmm. last year. Of course, uh, and they do lose a lot on the back end of their defense as well. But you know, the back end of their defense was kind of has been kind of shaky off and on for the last couple of years anyway. Yeah, and so it's like. Eh. So when I look at the when I look at the the parts of the the team that were actually most effective in the last couple of years that to me is where Bennett kind of becomes the guy that is hardest to replace I'm gonna make a prediction here okay not that who it's going to be but there's gonna be a receiver that's going to be not put up like Robinette numbers but something close because I think Donald Hammond's a better pass thrower than we than Isaiah Sanders like Worthman or other guys mm-hmm. so I think there could be a guy who I'm, I'm trying to look up right now what um he put up Robinette he didn't he have like 60 catches two years ago uh, it was something like that. Yeah, I don't oh, have so a tap in front of me right so now. I know his uh, average was high. I'm trying to see if I can find it really quick without uh, burning through the podcast tape here. Um, but I'm gonna. I, I do think. Yes, he had well only 35 catches, but he had almost a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna bet there's a receiver be a, somewhat close to that. Those numbers. Interesting. Which would be slightly more than um, what he what was put up last year by Bennett. I guess we'll have to find out. So what I'm saying is like maybe 30 for 700. Mm-hmm. That doesn't. Well, I don't know how. Maybe I'm not making a reach if I look historically, but I'm gonna go out on the limb a little bit and say that's. I think that's what the top receiver will be. Hmm. Good. Good. You, you seem to be questioning that. No, I mean I think that's a pretty bold prediction. Hey, I have them going ten and three, so I got to be. That's bold. true. <laughs> I gotta just, so that's just doubling down then, is what you're saying. A, a little bit, but I do think Hammond's a. Here's okay. Here's another reason why it's not just me thinking they'll be great. They have all their running backs back. They have. I think Hammond's a really good quarterback. I think we both agree on. Mo- I think most of the line, I believe most of the line is back. And so they could run even more play action, more kind of, uh, yeah, they'll run a lot, but I'm thinking more teams will be more focused on the run itself because of who they're coming back and how good the running game will be, not just because the system, but also talent. Mm-hmm. And so it'll make more guys do like one-on-one to these receivers. So that, I think, that makes sense. So that's where I'm going with. So let's go to boy state who is losing a lot of players. I mean, would it be too on the nose to say Brett Rippon? I think yes, only because – well, maybe we'll pick two different ones. <clears throat> I, here, let, let me start off with this. Running back, while there's concern, is probably the least concerning key player they lost in Alexander Madison <clears throat> because every year they seem to get a guy who comes in right away and does just fine. Mm-hmm. And I people got, got on me for McNichols a couple years ago, like, oh, who's going to replace him? I'm like, well, his, like I said this before probably, they'll be fine. It'll probably take two years to find an elite running back, but there's not going to be a huge downtick in who's going to run the ball. So then maybe we need to break it down into two parts where with Boise State in particular, you have hardest to replace, and then you have hardest to replace, comma, non-ripping addition. Okay, if we start ripping, because it, there, there's a four-team quarterback battle, could be, um, was it Blank- Hank, Blank- uh, Brinke- Meyer, right? Bachmeyer. Bachmeyer, that's close, sorry. I was thinking of that TV show that's on IFC with the baseball one, that guy, which I think mm. is, But he might be starter. They have guys coming back. They have multiple guys who've been out there, but nobody's played. Whoever's going to play is going to be like basically a brand new quarterback. And if mm-hmm. they end up going with like a true freshman, oh boy. Going up against Florida State week one, whew, uh, that. I think overall that's the biggest one to replace because they haven't had a quarterback situation in multiple years. 
but yet, if we look at really quick what they did with uh, Mont- Montel Cozart, there's reason to be concerned that the quarterback situation has a chance to not be handled as smoothly as it should be or could be. I mean, I think that I would disagree if only because we've seen Boise State do this before sure. with with Kellen Moore. And even if you know Grant yeah, Hedrick but... and Joe Southwick weren't necessarily in the same caliber of quarterback as Kellen well, Moore. nobody is. That's impossible almost to say. And, and so I think that whoever steps up, yeah, maybe there will be some rough patches in, throughout the fall. But I kind of think that whoever emerges in the long run is going to be fine. I know, but we're talking next year. Yeah. But I know, I'm talking next year too. I think okay. it might be kind of uneven, but it's not like they're going in without a killer defense to help bail them out. Oh, no. And it's not like they're going out with, you know, like as you mentioned, a running back who's probably going to step up and run for a thousand yards. And, you know, at least what, three or four receivers who could easily step up and combine for like, I don't know, a 60, 65% catch rate and, you know, 1,500 yards or whatever like that. And I think they'll ultimately be fine whoever they end up choosing. Well, they typically almost all are fine, but also they also lose their top two receivers at least. AJ Richardson, uh, who's that? Cedric, not Cedric Wilson, but um, Sean Monster. Sean Monster. Sorry, not Wilson. He's last year. <laughs> CT Thompson will probably be their main guy. But here's the thing: like we'll say it until everybody's, like, "Oh, you like Boise State? They're the best team ever. You always just love them." Well, when they win a minimum of nine games every year, are almost always competing for the conference championship and winning you're going to give them some leeway if they lose their top two pass catchers, top running back, top four-year starter quarterback. You're going to give them some leeway even losing all that talent, right? And so that is, that's why we're going to say, you'll, like you're, that's your reasoning prop, most likely, I'm assuming. They'll be fine at quarterback. Might be a little rough in the first couple of games just because it's a new guy. Running game, they'll be fine with Robert Mahone or whoever's going to take the ball running in a situation. Andrew Van Buren, somebody. Um, interesting fact. Brett Rippon was number two rusher last year with 85 attempts. Hmm. So, which goes to our point in the combine talk, Madison carries the ball as much as possible with 302 carries. So who would be your non-Rippon? Like, who would be like, okay, if it's not Brett Rippon, and we're, we know running back's probably going to be fine, receiver probably going to be fine, especially if, um, like, Hightower and stuff are returning and doing what they do. Who's is a defender that you want to look at that way? Of who might yeah, be. I mean, I think that, I think for me, if you're if you're not talking about Rippin, the answer is pretty clear, and it's Tyler Horton. You mean, excuse me, Mister Playmaker Tyler Horton, who gets touchdowns? <laughs> exactly. He, because because oh, finding cool. a number one corner is really hard to do, almost as hard as finding you know a a, a blue chip quarterback. And it's not to say again that Boise State doesn't have people who could step up and fill that void. You know, if Avery Williams is back to 100% playing well, he could definitely be that caliber of corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we saw glimpses, you know, from guys like Jalen Walker last year as well. But when you're considering the experience that Horton is uh, taking with him to the next level, that to me is where it becomes really difficult to replace. You know, that's another instance where no, no matter who steps in, you know, there might be some rough patches there as well. Which is not to say that it won't get better eventually, but there's going to be a learning curve for replacing Rippon and replacing someone like Horton. And also to consider Horton was, I think, wasn't he considered for a defensive player of the year despite missing games as well? I mean, if he wasn't, he probably should have been. Yeah, I think, I know he wouldn't win it, but I, we made him as a selection for our staff to pick and he was pretty close, or not close, but he earned a couple votes. Mm-hmm. Also, I'll go with the player. I know Horton's a pretty big deal because you're right. If you get shut down corner, <clears throat> you could take away like a third of the field, half the field, quarter of the field, whatever type of defense you're playing. 
that's very valuable. But I also say Jabril Frazier is a pretty big loss as well because he got the quarterback, he got the line of scrimmage, he every he played what basically a four year starter just about. He played what nine games his first year. He had I think what thirty career TFLs. I know they'll have guys to come in, but he would get to the backfield and disrupt plays like every. It seemed like every single play is back there. Mm-hmm. And so I think he could be one of the biggest offenders as well to replace because, like I said, if you can – well, every, everything I mentioned, it's pretty simple to say. He may not have the dynamics of what Horton can do where, like we mentioned, a pick six is take away the field. They don't throw his way. Those are kind of, kind of harder to see numerically or tangibly if he mm-hmm. has only a game where it's three tackles and a pass breakup. That's it because they don't throw the ball his way ever. Yeah. But I think Frazier could be a big loss as well. But I think Boise's more equipped to have a better up front than they do secondary, just looking over the past, what, four to seven years. Mm-hmm. So he'd be like my guy to look out for. It's like, hey, who's going to replace him? Because he had two years with Vander Esch a lot the year before than other guys as well than this past year. He played just as well. Some people thought he might be a tad better, or who knows, number-wise, because people were keying in on Vander Esch last season. But he's probably my most uh, important defender they're missing for next year. All right, so what about uh, Colorado State then? Whew, um, I saw some of our comments. Did you see some of our comments on Twitter about this? I did. One person said, um, I need to get a clarification. Is it not is it not, Obasi- is it not, is <clears throat> is it Obi now? What's he doing with Johnson? Is he cha- name change? Do you see that? Well, well, BC Johnson moved on, did he not? No, but that's what I'm saying. He's a guy we're going to be missing next year. Yeah. Ola BC or BC Johnson, that's what I'm saying. What, what's his name called now? What's he, What's the deal? But well, I'm assuming BC is just a shortening of Ola BC. I, I understand that, yes. <laughs> I just mean I was doing some research for other stuff. I'm like, why is he all, all of a sudden being named BC instead? Was that something we missed this year? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. But th- my point with him, people were mentioning him as the most difficult player to replace, like more so than, you know, Preston Williams. Yeah, that's a funny one, isn't it? <laughs> I, I don't think that's accurate at all, right? I mean, the only reason I wouldn't say it's either of those guys is because, and we've talked about this a little bit in weeks past, like I am fairly optimistic about the guys they have coming up behind them. And when I look back at the responses, you know, I see you know, old BC Johnson, but I did see a couple people also mention Josh Watson. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is definitely, the. this is another instance where it's probably an easy choice. Because even though the Rams' defense wasn't any great shakes last year, oh you know, there was no question he was kind of the heart and soul of that defense. You know, team's leading tackler, team's leading tackle for loss guy, you know, definite run stuffer, and could play a little bit against the pass as well. So, you know, it's it's an instance where, unlike Air Force and Boise, that you know Colorado State, in some sense, this is kind of starting over, or. At least on defense, you know, they had a chance to break in some, you know, promising young athletes on the defensive side of the ball in particular. But finding someone to fill that void in the middle of the defense is going to be tough. Especially since during spring practice right now, the coach is like, we can't tackle. We need to learn how to tackle better. Not great. No, and if you're losing your best defender who is really, really good and everywhere in the field, I agree. He's their biggest loss because there's going to be – they're going to be fine off – well, I wouldn't say fine – but relatively speaking, yes, you lost Preston Williams, who is amazing. Johnson does great things. But they have um, the guy coming in from, shoot, was Auburn, the wide receiver? Yeah. And the you wrote a piece on who's going to be the breakout wide receiver for the Rams. So 
there's not going to be an issue of who's going to be playing for them. A, running, a receiver, quarterback will be fine. Would Colin Hill will be ready to go? We'll see about running back. But as for about as a defense it is, it's got to be him. And I don't know who's going to step up because it could be – I'm pretty sure it's like an open competition. I think you and I could go ch- check out the Rams roster and say, hey, can you get a spot for us maybe? Because they need anybody who could do anything maybe, which not saying would be helpful, but point is they're looking for anybody and anything. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, so let's go to your Fresno State Bulldogs. Okay. We have Marcus McMarion gone. Keyshawn Johnson gone. Um, Jeffrey Allison gone. What other big name players am I missing? Uh, well, let's see. Mike Bell. That's right. Mike George, Bell. George Helmuth. George Helmuth. Uh, yeah, Christian Cronk, the Keep left tackle. Keeping coming. Uh, James James Bailey, Tank yeah. Kelly. Uh, yeah, I could I could keep going well, with a lot of different players. Um, unlike the first three, this one's really hard, isn't it? It is because, yeah, no, it is overall because it's defense was elite and amazing, offense was well above average. I I don't know who to pick. I typically go to quarterbacks; it's easy, but. I don't know. They have a good running back coming back, so it's not going to like hinder them that much. Isn't also Rice gone too tight end, Jared Rice, or is he back? No, no, he's back. Oh, good. Phew. Okay, you got one guy out there who's <laughs> returning to play an offense. I. Who's your pick? I'm tr- I, I still debated over this. I'm not entirely sure. See, I went with Keyshawn Johnson just because you know that's a guy who has been starting through thick and thin over this team for this team over the last few years, and kind of like Marcus Bennett, you know, he's a guy who's emblematic of uh, a, a really big question that's going to have that's going to have to get resolved throughout spring ball, throughout ball camp and things like that. But, you know, unlike Bennett, you know, you're talking about a guy who had 130 targets last year, which was almost twice as many as Rice, who was the second leading targeted receiver. You know, 95 catches over 1300 yards, eight touchdowns, that's going to be really difficult for one guy to replace and he's not even the only receiver of of note that's gone for this year's bulldogs you know jordan yeah. jordan's also gone uh Micaiah quick's also gone you know justin allen's gone like a lot of people are gonna have to step up and try to replace that production even if it's not one guy stepping up to replace that production so while you could basically say the same thing at a lot of different positions like all three of the linebackers are getting replaced this year um you know, the quarterback's getting replaced. So it's not like that's the only big question, but for me, considering just like all that Keyshawn Johnson has been able to do over the years, that is kind of what I defaulted through throughout this exercise is like the guy who has the most experience, who has the most production. And, you know, so I kind of defaulted toward that in the long run. Well, I think, I, I guess it's lame to say the same one, but he like what he did like he had that catch streak that was one of the best ever in college football like mm-hmm. what, almost what every gamer's career essentially caught, had a catch uh pretty much yeah pretty much something like that and so you lose that type of talent because the quarterback here's the thing, quarterback mcmarion we know what tedford whatever you can want to say about his quarterback uh prowess he can hype guys up to get higher picks in the draft but <laughs> he can, he's, he's a pretty good quarterback coach defend he coaches everything running backs is what he's most known for but that's not a concern this year I, I may say I may say Jeff Allison. You lose the best defender in the conference. I think mm-hmm. that's your biggest loss. No, like I said, I think you can make a pretty convincing argument for any number of guys. And because like 
there is they lose and they're still going to be pretty good next year so there's i guess and also i think the didn't they lose another wide receiver as well or is it not just johnson right it's um that's what i'm saying they lost like three or four wide yeah, receivers. To, yeah they uh i don't offhand it's been a while uh, not dread rice he's number two but they lost multiple guys so maybe can i just say the fresno group because there it is jameer jordan's gone as well yeah i'll allow it oh, oh good thank you i appreciate you allowing me i'll say the wide receiver <laughs> overall because okay. combo like i mentioned quarterback wide receivers a couple guys out there i'll go wide receiver group is the biggest uh position of need for next year <laughs> i know so it's then- lame but come on that's okay right so then would you also say the same thing about Hawaii? Probably. John Ursula is gone. And he – I'll say – is it wrong for me to say he was the best receiver in the conference last year? No, I think he's got a pretty good argument for better that. Better than Preston Williams, better than Keyshawn Johnson. I get a lot of it was due to the offense they ran. But he – I think he'll be a really, really good NFL guy. Like, well, it wasn't just the offense that they ran. It was also the role that he had within it. Yeah. He was the guy, like, even last year, every year he played, he's been in a, one of, like, yeah, last year, 2017, he only played a couple games half the season because he had tore his knee. Like, even as a freshman, he had, or first year he played, yeah, freshman, 53 catches and a couple, t- three touchdowns, like four catches a game, like a key <clears> contributor <throat> on a really bad team. Mm-hmm. So I would say, I, I'm going to go say John Arsura overall. Um, however, we could anybody could counter that and say, well, they're going to do the same offense and they'll throw it to whoever else out there who can catch the ball just because that's what they do. Because they have Jojo Ward coming back. Is Cedric Bird coming back as well? Yes, he is. So you have him coming back, but he was like Marcus Armstrong Brown who had 50 catches. So it's kind of a mixed bag. I would say as for an individual talent, him, but also the receiving group is probably going to be just fine. And see, that's why I ultimately didn't settle upon Urshua, and that's why I chose Jelani Tavai instead. That's a good pick. Because even though he wasn't 100% throughout last year, you know, that is, you know, I don't know if it's a it's a perfect comparison, but for me, Hawaii replacing Tavai this year is kind of like Boise State having to replace Leighton Vanderesh a couple years ago. You think so? That big? I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's not a perfect comparison, but... And, and this is not to say that Hawaii's defense is in the same league that Boise State's been in in the last couple of years. But because they've had so much trouble kind of getting traction on that side of the ball, having a dynamic play laker like Tavai has been a net positive for them. And so when you're losing a guy who's proven to be like a, a tackle for lost machine, um, you know, they, they did a little bit better job of getting that from the defense overall last year, but having that kind of one star make uh, one star in the middle of the defense, like Tobias has been, I guess it would be a little bit like your argument for Jeffrey Allison is being very important to replacing mm-hmm. uh, very important to replace for the Bulldogs. I kind of see it the same way. Yeah. Cause it's not like also the Hawaii defense wasn't that great. And so it's also maybe more so the Colorado state pick as well. Yeah. Because Hawaii's defense gave a lot of points, wasn't good all the time, and now they lose their best defender. And mm-hmm. their defense, and there's nobody around him that we can pinpoint right now, oh, this guy's going to take over for that linebacker position. Exactly. All right, so we've got alphabetical order. So we got to FGH. Is it? It is Nevada. I, I always forget Nevada, New Mexico for some reason. So it's Nevada. One of our good friends, um, I think it was a fake mummy, Matt Mummy, is that who tweeted us saying um, Leak Reed was their biggest mm-hmm. loss perhaps? Is that a, are you in agreement with that? 
Mm, actually, no. Ooh. Why not? Because <laughs> because we saw how the offense struggled without Ty Ganji last year. Yeah. And while I think Nevada can be confident in the options that they have, we've also seen in the last couple of years that the offense really kind of fell flat when he wasn't available. You know, we saw early in uh, 2017 when they, they swapped him out with uh, David Cornwall and, you know, came in Curitan. Neither of the guys were very effective, yeah, that, that and by the time well. he got back, you know, that was when the offense really started hitting its stride, and we saw it a little bit last year uh, when Christian Solano was under center, and maybe granted some of that has to do with the fact that Solano had to face, I don't know, the best defense in the conference in Fresno State, but if he if he can do a little bit better, maybe I'll be proven wrong in the long run, but to me, that's kind of the most pressing question is, you know, we know that Ty Ganji can move that offense when he's under center. But now that he's gone, who's going to step up to replace him? So while, you know, Malik Reed is definitely a viable answer, I think offense is really what made this team go in the last two years. And so I'm very interested to see how they resolve that. You're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I don't know. It's the offense. I hopefully, with the offense, what they want to do when passing the ball and everything that maybe they could not, maybe not do a Hawaii did, but if it's a guy, they trust and throw the ball, they'll be fine. But I, I don't know. You're right with them. Plus it also gives me hesitance about the coaching decision. Like, Oh, let's switch this guy. Let's put this guy after one bad game. Kind of like what Mike Bobo does a little bit. Even me, I mentioned uh, Brian Harson, oh, geez, uh, Mo- shovel pass quarterback when they split time with Boise state, Montel Cozart. There we go. That the, his uh, questioning or like his decision making skills, like are you sick of the guy? Because he doesn't have the experienced guy there anymore. And then they also lose like mentioned, they lose uh, McLean Mannix is gone. They lost guys to transfer. They lost offense and defense as well. But they lost offensive guys. But then again, they have two or two there to run the ball. So maybe he could take some heat off whoever's at quarterback. But mm-hmm. I don't know the defense. The Vaz defense was they were okay last year. So. No, I mean they were pretty good, especially by the end of last year. Yeah, that's why. That's why maybe I might agree with Malik Reed. And, and I mean, because I think you can make the argument either way. But the thing on the defensive end of the ball is that Reed is far from the only piece that they're missing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not losing just him; they're also losing you know two safeties in Asani Rufus and Damian Baper. They're also losing Corey Rush. You know, they're losing Jarris McDade. So. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it just kind of depends on your preference. I wouldn't I wouldn't complain either way because Malik Reed has been kind of like Kanji has been mm-hmm. one of the more dynamic player makers in the conference over the last couple of years. No, you're right. Uh, I'd say both are acceptable answers, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll go with both are fine. It's just It just depends on your preference. Pretty much all it is. All right. Um, New Mexico, is it just a pass? <laughs> <laughs> is there a player good enough leaving the team we need to discuss? Well, Yeah. Yeah, there is. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we joke about New Mexico and the fact that they have a lot to replace while they're also kind of starting over. But when you lose someone like Marcus Hayes, mm-hmm. yeah, to a to a Power Five team, no less, you know that I think stings quite a bit. Especially since you're talking about a guy who put up a freshman All American kind of performance last mm-hmm. year, and was really a bright spot that had he stuck around would have been something for the Lobos to build upon. But, you know, he's kind of emblematic of 
something i don't know i don't know how you would define it but something is significantly wrong in albuquerque right now that's an understatement of the century (laughs) Uh, because i mean you basically at this point you're looking for individual performances that you know that stood out as being a way to answer this question so i mean i think you could make a decent case for rashawn epting too mm -hmm. just because he was the other kind of big playmaker on that offense on that defense rather last year and he's gone too so if, if I had to answer the question, I would say Hayes, but I would also say that Epting has a pretty strong argument there too. I'd probably go with Delane Hart-Johnson. Five, yeah. t- five touchdowns, leading receiver, 33 catches for that run-based offense. He's their best receiver right now. They have, um, who is it, Ansali Uma coming back, I believe, but he only had like 16 catches. Mm-hmm. But I'd say Johnson because we've seen all those ap- those great catches he can make in the end zone, those leaping catches like Trent to one-handers that, pro- that didn't count. But mm-hmm. I think he could be – it's weird. It's it's hard to say receiver. It's like the Air Force. We chose the receiver, but they're also like a heavy run offense. But then yeah. again, when your run offense clicks and then you can suck somebody in and you have a talent of Delane Hart-Johnson or any team that in that type of system like an Air Force or whoever does a run based and passes, what, 25? I know Air, New Mexico wants to throw a bit more, but I would go with him and because he also missed, I think, he missed that Wyoming game as well or had no catches in the Wyoming game, I should say. But overall, the finale, but I'd say him because relatively speaking of what they've been wanting to do, because they do want to pass the ball more, he actually made it worthwhile for them and he's gone. So I'd go with him for an offensive player. No, I mean, I think that makes sense because like we talked about a minute ago with Malik Reed, I think the thing with Marcus Hayes and, and Apting is they aren't the only ones leaving on the defensive side of the ball. Like, did you realize that New Mexico is losing their top eight tacklers from last year. So you're telling me they're going to 0-12. I'm telling you they have a lot of work to do on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball, which, you know, maybe uh, it, it dims the argument for one guy on defense replacing, <laughs> being really tough to replace, because when you're replacing that much production on the defensive side of the ball, maybe it, it makes it hard to replace everybody. So maybe that's a point in favor of Hart Johnson. I don't know. Uh, let's move on to the next team because there's nothing else to talk about in New Mexico without me getting angry and upset about. Oh, you did hear about them denying any like FOIA or grammar request about transfers to the Albuquerque Journal. I did, and that's disappointing. It's also probably illegal because they're a state school, right? Yes. And it's for transfers leaving a program. Does <clears> that mean I could ask about other things? Because we do know they'd like to delete emails willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. and not save anything up. So, But that's another podcast for another day. Or if you really want to dig into our archives, I chatted with uh, Daniel Libet from nmfishbowl.com months ago about the uh, Bob Davey, I have to use the words, alleged, covering up crimes, getting in fights, breaking people's hands, grabbing people's face masks, and doing other shady things. So go find that one. Have, have a good good uh, listen, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Next, um, if I'm... Uh, I'm trying to do it at uh, San Diego State, right? Is that where we're That is here? correct. All right, yeah. sorry. I, my alphabet is great, you know. I always have this issue when I type the teams out and I'm doing the list alphabetical. I, for some reason, like Nevada, New Mexico, I forget like one team. Like, what team am I missing here? It happens, right? Does it happen to you ever, or, or is it just me? <laughs> uh, well, no, it happens to me every once in a while. Good, every once in a while. So San Diego State. Can I make my joke answer of Christian Chapman? You can, because I was thinking the same thing for a while. For a while, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, and it's not. And I mean, <laughs> it's not we, sorry. I mean, we we joke, but Christian Chapman was a pretty effective quarterback during his time as a starter. Yeah, he didn't turn the ball over. 
he had a handful of great drives. Especially, I always go back to that Wyoming ninety-plus drive touchdown. To, and that I mean, he was a, he was a three-year starter who won at least he won a conference title. He That's not win. nothing to no. replace, you know. And he was more than a guy. I, I guess my everybody knows my not beef, but my only concerns like like we talked about the tight end NFL draft pick. You don't give him the ball enough, stuff like that. But it's also not in their offense. But he, I don't want to say game managers people get pissy about that, but that's kind of what he was a little bit, but he could make drives and asked. Like I said, he wasn't a guy who they were going to rely on him to throw it for 35 times a game because mm. they, they didn't need him to do that. But I think, I know, but being 100% serious now, they brought in a Juco quarterback because they don't trust Ryan Agnew, even though Rocky Long says, oh, he's our starter, but we're going to bring in some competition to push him. This is going to be very important because Juwan Washington's back. They'll be fine. Yes, Tyler Romer's gone. Offensive line lose a couple players. That'll be a little concern. But in all seriousness... If they're if they have quarterback issues like sort of last year they went back and forth between Agnew and Chapman. If Agnew can't win this job after being this guy that wanted him to be the starter for years and can't do it, this team you can't hand the ball off ninety five percent of the time and expect to win and then rely on your defense to make plays. So like serious answer could be Christian Chapman because of people will realize like maybe even me myself like oh maybe he was a really good quarterback and will should have got more respect because this guy completes forty percent of his passes can't throw downfield and turns the ball over every 15th pass. So it's really, I think when I was thinking about this question with regards to the Aztecs, this was the most difficult choice because I feel like of any of the teams in the mountain West, you could make an argument for maybe the most different players. Like Mm -hmm. we, we talked about Chapman. Um, You know, I think maybe you could make a case for Ryan Pope, the left tackle, Mm -hmm. uh, especially since the Aztecs are kind of changing up what they're doing on offense. And maybe that left tackle position becomes important for different reasons than we've been accustomed to in the last couple of years. You know, maybe you make an argument for someone like Ronnie Lakalaka, who was a three year starter at linebacker and, you know, an effective pass rusher and things like that. Noble Hall, Parker Baldwin. Noble Hall, exactly. Yeah, those guys. For me, I eventually settled upon Parker Baldwin because with the defense that the Aztecs run, you know, oddly enough, Parker Baldwin runs that from that Aztec position, mm-hmm. which is, I, you know, is it the most important component of that defense? I think so. I think that having someone effective back there and especially someone who was, who was as experienced as Baldwin was back there really made that whole defense go. And, you're, and, you know, he the only guy who had more tackles than him last year was Kaiva Tizino. You know, obviously he's coming back, and that's a credit to this year's Aztecs team. And I think that, you know, it's less a question of of can they replace him because I think that recent history suggests that you should give someone like Dwayne Johnson Jr. or whoever ends up stepping into that starting role and during spring ball to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think that for me just having someone who can hold that position down and be effective doing it is you know maybe the toughest thing to replace maybe even tougher than a quarterback yeah because especially that defense it's not he plays sort of like the linebacker slash db essentially mm-hmm. so he has to have that size to be able to get the running back play blitz that position and the speed to cover guys when he's out in coverage or even zone so that you might be right because as for what what the position entails what you need to do like I said, it could be as difficult as a QB or something. Mm-hmm. All right, so what's what's next? San Jose State, is it uh, just Josh Oliver, right? I mean, I settled upon Oliver um, because – Settled. I, I like that, that word, settled upon Oliver. 
Well, because I think that the, the obvious argument is he was basically the one reliable target that whoever was under center for the Spartans last year had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while I think there's, and I've, and I've written about this during the off season last month that I, I like the pieces that they have coming back and I like their ability to take a step forward as an offense. But I don't think there's any question that losing an NFL caliber tight end does make a difference. I think maybe you can make an argument for Dakari Monroe. Or or even Jamal Scott too, maybe. Yeah, because I mean the argument for Monroe is kind of like we talked about with Tyler Horton earlier. Like finding a number one quarterback is – cornerback rather Mm -hmm. is really hard to do. But for me, I feel like you know with – where San Jose State has been and where it's going that, you know, finding a replacement for Oliver, finding that weapon in the middle of the field is going to be a really important task for them. And they might, maybe not. Okay. Maybe it's not, uh, I guess replacing that specific position, specific talent, a player mm-hmm. will be tough. But like you said, I said, I do agree. Like they're, if they get their quarterback going position going, cause they finally settled on who they're going to have <clears> back <throat> out there by bounced around by a couple of guys. Tyler Nevin's going to be back. They may be able to. No, I think I won't say may. They will find production to replace what Oliver did. It just won't be like it won't be able to point to. Hey, this guy did it or that guy did. It. It'll be two to four players that overall increase their numbers plus on top of what Oliver did. I'm thinking. So exactly. that's where I guess we also get our our buddy uh, was it Boogie Roberts who was first team All Conference by us. He's a pretty big loss. That's true. Could be an NFL player potentially. Was he a defensive tackle? So there's a couple of guys, but Oliver's just the clear obvious answer right i think so yeah. because like i said if he's an nfl guy on a team that won a couple games it's uh, hard to replace and mm-hmm. so, yeah. so next we have UNLV. unlv unlv uh not tony sanchez because he's gonna be back right he's not going anywhere <laughs> well then he's not a player either <laughs> i guess that is the obvious um a piece um Actually, I think I skipped over you and OBC. You go first. I think about. It. I think it's one of the teams I'm right now that I forgot to put on there. <laughs> wow, disrespect. I'm I'm sorry. Is it just Lexi? It's um. Wait, is Lexington Thomas back? Uh, no, he's not. Okay, I'll go with him. I'm sorry. I'm going through a list. I did this last minute. I was writing stuff down. I was like, oh, okay, Rogers is back. This guy's back. Okay, I'll go Lexington Thomas. I apologize, Rebel fans. Earn my respect. Uh, can I say that? Can I go that route and be mean and say it's on you, not me, because your team underachieved last year? You you go down that route and see how well it works. Uh, but it is. Um, you can say yes or no for Lexington Thomas because Charles Williams, they have a couple of uh, – what's his name? Um, oh, shoot. See, I'm forgetting all the names now. Um, Xavier – am I – Xavier Campbell. Campbell, sorry. I want to say something weird. So you're not helping me out, but just let me sit out here, Matt. But it's okay. It's my <laughs> fault for missing a team. Running back position probably fine, but as for pure production, when Lexington Thomas gets a boot in his butt, he actually can play pretty well. So, I, I'm gonna say him a thousand yards. That's a pretty big loss, right? Yeah, I mean, I think so, but I think that <laughs> you know, with brutal. the guys they have coming back, I, I, I it, feel okay about Thomas being gone. Me too. Biggest name loss, probably. Biggest name loss, but I mean, as far as the biggest loss, period. I, I, for me, I kind of went off the board a little bit. Ooh. And I went with Nathan Jacobson because you're talking about that that rare kind of offensive lineman who I think he started at least 50 games for UNLV. That's good. And, you know, and he moved from left tackle to right tackle, I believe, during the season last year. But you know, having that kind of experience on the offensive line is going to be really critical because we know what this offense wants to do going forward. And while they do have talent coming up, 
you know, that they've recruited in the last couple of years, like namely Justice Oluwosian, you know, I feel like that I kind of like we talked about with um, uh, who was it like Parker Baldwin, for instance, mm-hmm. that it's it's less a matter of who's going to replace him as much as having just pretty significant shoes to fill. I'll go with a legit answer. Mike Hughes will be a pretty big loss for them. Second team all conference on the defensive line for what he um, could do for them. Because well, defense... he, was, he was gone last year. Wait, am I looking at the wrong? Oh, <laughs> I'm terrible. I I should stop the talking. Disrespect. You know, no, what I did. No, okay, you want to know what I did? I'll be I'll be honest right here. I'm sorry. I'm going through. I'm pulling. Up, I have the all conference teams in front of me, just because. Oh, here's maybe a player miss or seniors to also discuss. I scroll through and inadvertently scroll to 2017. I'll still say it. He's a big loss for next year because they missed him last year. <laughs> I oh man, Rebel fans, you can do what you want to me. At Jeremy Moss uh, on Twitter. Good luck spelling it. Go ahead. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. This is embarrassing and not what I should be doing here apparently today. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Should we just move on to Utah State? Go for it. Utah State, um, they have a lot of guys gone, right? They do bring they back Jordan do, Lark. yeah. They lose uh, Darwin Thompson. They lose, um, as we mentioned, tight end Dax Raymond, who I don't think that is their biggest loss for the year. Because So why don't, why don't we start with you this time? Who do you think is? I'd say the running back, Darwin Thompson, because – how many? What did we say the past couple of years about this team? Who's running the ball? Who's they don't have a running game? They have um, what's his name with? Oh shoot, with the Packers, um, who got drafted seventh round? Um, who was injured? You're talking about Kerwin Williams? No, not Kerwin Williams. Um, two years Robert ago. Turbin? No, not Robert Turbin. You're naming all the wrong ones. Ah, oh, what's his name? I'm uh, whatever. I Paul. I'm not. I'm. I'm just moving forward because I'm spacing on a guy. LaJuan it's Hunt? a Sunday. It's a Sunday. I'll is it Lawan Hunt? Is that who it is? Oh yes. Good, I got it right. I pulled that name out. No, but no, I, I seriously, I was think, I was just thinking of the name. But the running back position, yes, they have Gerald Bright coming in, but Darren Thompson, JUCO transfer, came out of nowhere, and we've always said the running game has been the issue for Utah State the past couple of years since those two other guys you mentioned, Turbin Thompson, all those guys out there who have made NFL careers for themselves. Thompson, thousand yards, fourteen TDs. He came on more later than Gerald Bright, who nearly had identical numbers, was about 200 yards fewer, had and still had double-digit touchdowns. So maybe it's it could be the scenario where, like you know, be the player itself, the big name player is gone, but they have talent around him. But with Utah State's running game, the past couple of years, new head coach, which we'll see how that plays into this. I don't know. I would say it could be Thompson, just because he solidified as the main running back late in the year, and so Utah State hasn't had in a long time. So I want to go with him because I'm going to go with him for being a bigger loss because I think part of the reason the offense went so well, those two backs almost combined for 2,000 yards. I mean, I think that's a fair argument. Um, and not just because Darwin Thompson's really effective running the football, but he was a very important piece catching the ball at the backfield as well. So finding someone in their rebuilt rotation who can do the same thing is going to be really important. I kind of went a different direction, though, and you know maybe I feel like I'm contradicting myself considering some of the other things we talked about, but I was thinking about the, the playmakers that they're losing on defense, Yeah. and to me, it seems really important that they're losing someone like John Charles Roquemore. The Rock, Rockamore? Yeah. He's awesome. Sad to see him go. Yeah, and but I mean, at the same time, it's, it's kind of like they're also losing Gage Ferguson, too, and they're also losing Aaron Wade. All three of those guys saw a lot of playing time at safety last year. So I feel like I'm kind of undercutting myself a little bit now that I'm saying it out loud. No, no, it's, uh, he made big plays because they, 
no, don't don't undersell yourself. If you think that's a guy, go with that being your guy. It's they lose a lot of players on defense, so you can't just say defense, but you kind of narrow it down. But Man, and I think it's because like especially last year, he was a guy who was really contributing both defending the pass and defending against the run. He had eight and a half tackles for loss and three interceptions. You know, that's the kind of rare production that is, uh, you know, as far as safeties go, it's not, it's not every safety in the conference that could do something like that. No, but also it's helpful. This is their, another safety two years ago um, where they have got, they've had, Utah State's known for putting guys in safety NFL. Yeah. So, but they also seem to, oh, we can, we're fine. We have, we're replacing you with you. And you're going to do just fine this year. It's just the name change, but the production can nearly nearly be the same. Like, look at uh, who was it in 2017? They had their uh, Jalen Davis. Mm-hmm. They have him out there. The BYU game's the biggest one. He had three three TDs, five picks. And Dallin Lovett, let's not forget. Yeah, and Dallin Lovett too. Yeah, but like Rockamore back there, three picks as well. It, no, it's fine to say what. It's if you think that's your big position, but it, it's fine because here's why their defense will be okay. Where you can say, oh, maybe it's not. Is that they bring back Tippa, they bring back Woodward, they bring back all these guys, and their defensive coach and Gary Anderson returns to town. Yeah, N- not to say undersell at all, but I mean, there's reasons where oh, they'll probably be okay. But if it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big it's loss, very, come on, it's, it's very still. similar to the what we talked about earlier with Boise State, I think, in that pick. Yeah, because like Tyler Horton might be get replaced by Walker or by Avery Williams or something like that, mm-hmm. and you know Rokemore might get replaced by someone like Chase Nelson or Braxton Gunther. But there's still a lot left for those new guys stepping up to prove. Somebody mentioned Quinn Ficklin, starting center. That makes a lot of sense. It's a big deal. He's uh, center's a really big position, so somebody mentioned that. But let's go to Wyoming, and this is our final team, right? Yes. Good. I'm making sure my math is added up tonight as we're getting to our typical hour spot. Um, can I just say defense? <laughs> The whole defense, <laughs> almost like Carl. Granderson. I mean, they, I mean, they got guys coming back. They do. They got Logan Wilson coming back, but like Carl Granderson, Andrew Windward, Windward's gone. Um, Windward, excuse me. Um, Epps is gone. Um, what's his name transferred to a P five school? Um, oh shoot, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody knows what I'm saying. Just yell at me, right? Oh Yo- man, Yost- did I miss? Did I miss that? Gasafin, Yost- Yost- I can never say his name too. That's also on me. Are you um, talking about Johanna Guyfin? Johanna Guyfin, yeah, sorry, that's it, yeah. He tra- tra- I, thought he, I thought he was moving on to the NFL. No, he ended up transferring. Oh, he did? I want to double-check that. Maybe he's the NFL, but he's not. Regardless, he's not back. Oh, no, no, you are correct. No, he is going to the NFL. He had interest from Power 5 schools. That's what it was. Ah, okay. But regardless, he's gone, right? Yes. He's not coming back to play defense. He and, is not. And so that's why defense is kind of my default to what to say for them. However... Well, if, if you have to choose one, though... I know. Who's it going to be? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going with offense, right? Actually, no. You're not going with Nico Evans? No. I'm, and I was actually going to say, I'm very surprised that you are giving him more consideration, <laughs> considering how considering how much you love offense and how much you hate uh, <laughs> oh, That's going to be a thing forever. No. Uh, I know. For my pick, I would... I like Carl Granderson as a pretty big loss. No, that's fair because, because you know finding good pass rushers is hard to do, and also taking a defensive handoff or a touchdown is hard to do as well. That too. <laughs> I know. I yes, we know because I, I I go back to that in the Mexico State game last year where the announcers were giving Wyoming pretty good credit to like this like six or seven guys on this on this team defensive starting unit will be in the NFL. And that's probably the case. Mm-hmm. For, for Granderson can do like he has the knack to get to the quarterback. 
to knock people down and not just that, but make plays. He has his hands up on plays. Like I joked about the handoff. He's had multiple fumble strip sacks in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And it's not just making the play. It's making the play and doing something bigger to help your team out. Not just yeah. knocking the ball down, knocking it down. Maybe a guy catches it for interception or it's something. It's just a multiple type play he can do. Oh, I get, I sacked a quarterback. That's amazing. But I could sack and strip the ball and my teammate gets it and falls on or I take the ball myself. He is a multiple def- type of defender where he can do all those things. So that's why I'd go with him. But there's a lot of guys that the defense probably will be okay. But then again, they lose hey, they lose their DC. Hazleton's gone, so that's an issue as well. So, But yeah, I, I say Granderson. I say second would be – I guess the most impactful, honestly, overall would be Nico Evans because their running game and quarterback play outside of him. Ooh, brutal. But who do you got? Who do you take it? No, I would say Wingard. Ooh, Wingard. Why is that? And and to me, he's kind of in that same class as someone like Horton or Baldwin mm-hmm. or someone who's been a real part of the resurgence of the program. You know, basically from day one. You know, he's a guy who started what four years. I think so. And that kind of experience is really hard to replace. So while you know you might have confidence that Wyoming can figure things out because they're replacing so many so many guys. You know, I feel like this might be maybe the one exception where, you know, it's going to be really hard to find another Andrew Wingard. Well, clearly a guy who's Mountain West consideration, what he can do. Uh, it's, it's a good list. It's, uh, no, we're good. I guess we don't need to – we mentioned no Evans. But if we do honorable mention, that would probably be him. So Yeah. But mainly because defense should be okay, right? There's not – because who else did they come back? Like Vogel Wilson coming back. What other key guys are returning for that team? I'm trying to think um, – or typically, he's the biggest thing coming back by far. So, well, I mean, they got you know guys who saw a lot more playing time like later in the year, for instance, like CJ Colden and and mm-hmm. Keon Blankenbaker probably going to be. At, uh, oh, and Crawl. If they're, not, if they're not holding down both of those cornerback spots, they're probably going to at least compete for one of those spots. And then Garrett Crawl too coming back because I forgot. Yeah, about Garrett Crawl's coming back. Uh, uh, no, Kevin Kevin Prosser is gone too. Never mind. They bring a few guys back. Like uh, they also have the what's his name. Cash, Cash Malua. So the guy's mm-hmm. coming back. So that's why I'm thinking maybe if you want statistically the bigger loss for to help the team play better, I think we could maybe slide in Nico like in my offensive bias showing, I guess. But the running game, the pass, if the passing game is as bad as it was last year, oh boy, they're in trouble. Defense yeah. can only do so much, and so if they can find a decent running back, if it's if it is Sean Chambers to be their quarterback, and who knows who's going to run the ball because it took them a couple weeks to figure out if Nico Evans was their guy. Uh, well, I got New Mexico state is fine, but he got injured a couple games and whatever. It, it took a minute to realize what they're, what they needed and they needed the running back and they need to find one next year. Yeah. Because when he, yeah, he had 1,325 yards and missed two games. Mm-hmm. Anything else we missed? I think we got everything here because this has been a longer off-season podcast than we thought. Went 70 minutes, folks. You're welcome, except for my gas versus UNLV and forgetting them. So, sorry, folks. I think we're all set. We are set. So, we'll decide. We'll figure something out next week. We're going to make our attempt to come back every week, and we'll see. Maybe I have an idea. Let me ask you this is a good one, Matt. We kind of do a road trip podcast. That'd be good next week to kind of what games and weeks we want to go to. Mm-hmm. That's It's fairly simple. We'll go through that, and I'll make sure I get every team alphabetically correct so I don't forget one. <laughs> and let's I, I think we've done this before, but should we make it where we have to visit every home campus on the conference? Every home campus. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Not, um, not just not just appearing 
San Jose State has to oh they play whoever like uh on the road play in New Mexico because we want to see a a crappy game. I don't know. I'm just saying throwing teams out there. Sorry about those two teams, but you know what I mean. Two low level teams. Let's make it different this year. We have to make on our trip we go. We have to be on every campus one time. Well, if you've listened to our road trip podcast in the past, you already know I, I abide by at least trying to see every team once. But I do like that extra little twist. Should so it be let's every? Go ahead and do that. Okay, let's do that. Because I think I, I think I try to make sure every team as well. Yeah. But let, let's try to make every every home campus. Okay. Cool. Perfect. All right. So thank you for uh, listening and getting through my little. I shouldn't keep bringing this up. Should I? I should just roll through it, right? Why am I keep bringing it back up again? What's the point? I don't know. MWR.com. Check it out. It is March, so we do have a ton of basketball stuff. Me and Eli Betker will be doing some hoops podcast, probably a couple extra bracketology stuff. Um, we'll have football stuff. I'm still, I am behind. I know of doing our all time 20 year Mountain West team. It takes, it's bad. It took me longer than I thought. So that's we've why got, we've got 10 months. I think we have time. I, I think I overextended myself saying, we'll do a team every day and we'll do this every day. You'll get stuff when you get it folks. That's what I'm trying to say here, but we'll have spring football updates throughout because next week there'll be a bit more newsy type things to work on and look at and listen to and hear from us. And yeah, we'll see you next time. And if you like what we're doing, give us a review, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, blog talk radio, anywhere you can find your podcast. Just tell people, Hey, go listen. They're sort of funny and sort of know what you're talking about. That's me. Matt knows what he's talking about for sure. I'll go that way. So you're most of the time. Anyway, extra. We have fun with it. And if we mess up, let us know because I'm not above, or you're not above saying, hey, you're wrong. That's true. Unless you tell us power six, and you're definitely wrong no matter what. <laughs> yeah. With that, we'll see you next time.